0: What is- going on. Welcome to Cannell and Bell. On this Wednesday, this hump day, Raja Bell, Danny Cannell oh, with you for I for the think next there, hour. I don't
1: think there's been a, a Wednesday that we come on that you don't say hump day.
0: Well, that's my thing. I, Ron has Taco Tuesday, <laughs> you're gonna, which
1: he's trying to copyright. Are you going to trademark? I might try,
0: why not? If he tried I'll to trademark ready. that, which everybody uses, I'm going to trademark <laughs> hump day, and we'll go with that one. It is
1: hump day, though. I, I, wait, I wait to, to see if you say it. Like, <laughs> every day I'm like, he's not going right, to say it either. Next week,
0: I'm not going to say it. I'm bringing, I'm bringing it back on that one. Alright, we have a ton of stuff that we have to get to. Uh, I feel like the NFL right now, several teams it's like Oprah when she gives away, you get a car you get a car. Everyone's you get a new deal. You get a new deal. Uh, we're going to break down those with Zeke's new deal, Jared Goff as well. Uh, we're going to have DeMarcus Ware, former yeah. Cowboys, going to join us as well at the bottom uh, of the hour at 10.30. Can't wait to catch up with him. Get his thoughts uh, on his former teammate's new deal. So a ton of stuff we have to get to. Um, Raja and I have not been here uh, we were off. The office where we do our show here in South Florida has been closed due to Hurricane Dorian. So we have been uh, taking care of our families, making sure our homes are boarded yep. up. Uh, kids are off from school. It has been a little bit crazy and obviously, uh, thoughts and prayers to everyone in the Bahamas and the islands who were greatly impacted. Some of the uh, pictures that came out of there were really yeah, scary and our thoughts to them. I don't know about you, but we took a lot of our stuff that we had gotten as supplies in case we lost it and actually taken them to some of the, um, uh, like churches, whatever, yeah. uh, you know, community service groups that are going to actually take those over to the Bahamas because yep. they're in desperate need of some of that right now. But it also, it is, thankfully, we didn't get it as bad, anywhere near as bad as what they were predicting, but it does kind of provide for some crazy, um, stories. Like you had an interesting experience this oh, weekend.
1: Man, we hit the, we hit the bricks because it was supposed to be a, a yeah. relative direct hit to like, you know, uh, Palm Beach, which would have put us in harm's way. So we got in an RV, my whole family, <laughs> my mom and dad, and we made it up the coast. So we were going to New York to just ride it out. I, I was through Andrew. I didn't want any part of that. Um, so then. I don't know, was it Saturday morning? We realized that the storm had kind of veered north. So then we doubled back, came all the way down. Cause now you're in harm's way if you're, you're up that way, right? Yeah. The problem with us was everyone was scrambling for gas. And everyone was trying to get somewhere. So we couldn't let the RV get under like half a tank. Right. In case you had to go search for gas. So we were stopping like every two and a half hours trying to fuel, fuel up. But it, it all worked out and luckily we did not get hit. So.
0: Yeah. It's, a, it's such a weird situation. And when this was all playing out last week, gas station lines were like an hour. Costco yeah, lines an hour. Uh, and I, people, I don't know if you're not from the state or at least the East coast where hurricanes have become more normal. You don't realize how crazy it's kind of like end of times type stuff Listen, when you see people panicking and getting very um you know protective of their space in
1: oh, line. You see fights breaking. You see out. the worst in people. You around. Really like, do, and not to turn this into a hurricane thing, but like Andrew, I lived where it hit, like yeah. down in Perrine. Um, it looked like a bomb hit. Like it was the best way to describe it—a bomb had hit, and you were without power for a month. At least we were. The National Guard was brought in to, you know, enforce a uh, a, a curfew where you couldn't get in or out. You had to be in your house. You know, people were getting killed for possessions, for yeah. food, for water. So, you know, that's why I choose to leave. Like because you really do see the worst in people, and and I mean, look, I'm not judging. Like, it is catastrophic when it hits you. Yeah. Look at the Bahamas, you know?
0: I, um, took the last minute approach and my wife was getting a little bit nor- nervous. So I took it on myself. I was like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy us plane tickets just in case. Yeah, correct. And we'll kind of keep an eye on this and then I'll cancel them. The airlines are pretty open with cancellation policies during this time. So I looked and they weren't that expensive. So I was like, oh, okay, this isn't that bad. So I booked tickets, plane tickets, for my family to go up to New York on Sunday. I was traveling, covering a game. So I got back Saturday night, and I was like, all right, we'll keep an eye on this. So Saturday, I bought the tickets, and I was like, I'll just cancel them. Saturday was when you realized that most people said, oh, this thing isn't going to come as bad as we thought. So I called the airline, and I'm like, all right, well, I bought this ticket to get my family out of here. I'm going to go ahead and cancel it now. And the lady's like, well, she's like, I don't see a reservation. And I said, yeah, I gave her the confirmation code. And she's like, oh, that's for next weekend. So <laughs> thankfully, I would have been in such big trouble. Like, we would have been stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic getting out of here. I thought I was going to be the hero. Yeah. Thankfully, the thing go didn't go wrong. by. And they still did let me cancel it, uh, even though. But I was like, oh, man, what a boneheaded move. Didn't even realize it was the wrong weekend I was getting tickets out of here <laughs> for. But again, just to reiterate, all the people in the Bahamas, uh, take your time. Go donate to help them, yeah. whatever it is, money, um, water, everything they're in need of right now is that place is absolutely devastated. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on them uh, for sure. All right, let's move on to some of the meat uh, of the show. Yep. The biggest news that has taken place is Ezekiel Elliott getting a new deal. I am not shocked by this at all. Mm-hmm. All We've talked a lot about Jerry Jones and Zeke and his camp and the rumors and the back and forth, and it's been exactly that. It's been posturing throughout a negotiation of each side trying to put their, you know, game face on and play hardball. Ultimately, I do think Zeke won because he did have a pretty strong leg to stand on saying, all right, I'm not going to play. And Jerry caved to him, uh, getting that big contract extension. It is now an eight year contract worth 103 million after you total everything up with the extension. It runs through 2026. And it's around $50 million guaranteed, which would set a new landmark for a running back, $5 million more than Todd Gurley's, which he got.
1: Look, I'm not really going to get into like like – I'm not into who won the trade necessarily, but – The deal, the new, the new deal. I mean yeah. the tra- deal, sorry. Yeah. But if I were getting into who – I mean it's clearly Zeke, right? I mean you were two years out on a deal. Yep. Right, and and so most people would say it's not the most leverageable position to be in in the first place, uh, but because of the way they're built and what he does and who he is, he 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 had some, and so he wielded it. Uh, it's also a win for running backs. You know, they're trying to devalue that position, or at least making an effort to kind of you know scale back what they're paying some of them. The Todd Gurley deal was regarded as a terrible deal in in in, in some aspects, and people are trying to reel that back in, and so not taking less. Than Todd Gurley got was a big a big thing for not only Zeke but for running backs in general. Um, so I think this is a win all the way around for Ezekiel, Elliott. and and also um, the you know the Cowboys have a chance, have a window, and we talk about these windows of opportunity and having to be healthy. A when you're in them, and you have to have some things go right for you. Don't shoot yourself in the foot while you're in your window. You know by not by not signing a guy. I don't know how far apart they were originally, but if you can make that work and you're that team and you got the window. Go ahead and make it work.
0: All along, Jerry and, uh, Steven Jones were pretty upfront. Initially, it was, we're going to make him a top five running back. Right. And then it was, all right, we're going to make him a top three running back. And ultimately, he does set this new landmark record. I will say this. The 90 looks great. We just had that thing up there with Adrian Peterson was at 86 and it's the new high total. Mm-hmm. That is the fake number. Right. It is 50 million guaranteed, which is the only thing that Zeke is fully guaranteed for. On the back end of this deal, the last 40 million of it, They'll be able to get out of it if they have to. Sure. That's where it gets a little bit dicey for the Cowboys. They're handing out money to Jalen Smith, the linebacker. They just restructured their tackle, Lail Collins yesterday, which was really probably more of a cap space maneuvering things. I did see it created, I think six or seven million dollars, uh, for the salary cap. Um, at some point though, I'm looking at this team and Jerry Jones is cutting checks. And the big question I have is what does this mean? For the other two guys that are still sitting there, probably with their hand out and Dak Prescott, the quarterback and Amari Cooper, the wide receiver, who have to be thinking, all right, they may, they caved on this one. Are they going to cave on me? And I think it's a, it's a, a worthwhile question. If I'm Dak Prescott, I'm probably calling my agent saying, all right, where, when's my deal?
1: They're going to cave on one of them. <laughs> yeah. The other ones, I listen, if I was Amari Cooper, I'd be a little worried. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest with you because yep. if you got to pick between a wide receiver and a quarterback, and you're going with the quarterback, right? Um, if I'm Dak Prescott, you ever seen Goodfellas? Yeah. Where they you know, he was like, Now you got my money. Well, when I come asking for this, it's F you pay me, F yes. you pay me. Like that's my approach if I'm Dak Prescott. I've been good. I've been a good soldier through this whole thing, right? I watched Ezekiel Elliott to some degree make a mess of it. You know, I kinda stayed away from the team, wasn't a good soldier. I've done everything right. When it comes time to my deal, I don't want to hear anything. No. And a word. Right. Like, let's get this done. Right.
0: Um, I agree with you. I think Amari Cooper probably is gonna be the odd man out. They've said all along, uh, that they wanna keep all three. Yeah. They wanna keep all three of them happy. I just- No, they may again, keep it. a salary cap issue. Like, but I you're don't, not
1: breaking the bank if you're- I don't market. think they can either. You're not setting a new, a new, uh, market.
0: And ultimately, I think Dak, would be more willing to play for a little bit less. I'm not saying take a dress. I'm not saying 20 million, but I'm saying 30 million, which uh-huh. is probably the going rate. I know there was some rumors, some speculation that he was asking for 40 million. I don't believe those. I think that's the cowboys putting that out there. I think Dak, if he's smart, will take the 30 million and he'll say, just give me a, a sure thing, a guarantee. Give me my market value. And my market I, value is
1: now, uh, Jared Goff just got four years, $134 million, 110 guaranteed. That's my market. So I, but see here, that's where I don't think Dak gets that greedy. And I,
0: greedy is the wrong term to use, but I don't think he's going to try to break the bank. And I think he, I don't think he will.
1: I mean, Maybe that's just me looking well, at him. Maybe he won't. I, Jerry and them, you guys need to start like a little like prayer session together. You <laughs> and Jerry and, and Steven, uh, but why not? I mean, it would be my question. Why not? Because I think as a
0: quarterback who, I think you have to have enough self awareness right. to realize you're not. Jared Goff was in the Super Bowl last year. I don't care, I, I, but a, it I, does matter. Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate. Dak has not been in either one of those conferences. I think Dak is good. Two years ago, we were wondering whether
1: Jared Goff was a flop. Well, it was a bust as <laughs> a number one. That pick. is true. Mc- he had a disastrous, he was, he was terrible season. A disastrous. Rookie. The Sean v- McVay like tree. Like people are getting hired left and right because the Sean McVay's perceived brilliance as a as a play caller. You don't think some of that is, is the reason why Jared Goff looks so good right now? You think he took this huge step from year one to year three? No, dude. Like, he's probably better, but you gotta attribute some of it to, to, to McVeigh, no?
0: Oh, uh, uh, totally. You have to give it to him there. And I do think that was a surprise to me because after the Super Bowl, which Jared Goff didn't play great there were some rumblings. Again, you can't read everything you hear coming out from every camp Mm -hmm. that the Rams weren't exactly all in with Jared Goff, wondering, hey, is he going to be the guy that can take us to the next level? Uh, I was buying into that because I'm with you. When I looked at Jared Goff, I wasn't saying, man, he's in the same category as some of these other top-tier quarterbacks. But when you saw Carson Wentz, and they were picked one and two in that draft, um, when you saw him get that money, it was kind of like, all right, that did set the bar. And this is the thing that bothers me with Dak. If he was a first round pick, it would be it would be, not even nope, be having this right. conversation. It would be right. no one would say Oh, man, $30 million a year. There's no way – because I think $30 million is fair for Dak. Right. But yet you still hear people who have a hard time getting over that saying, oh, he's a game manager. It's Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They there's a stigma first. attached to that yes. when you're not
1: picked or And other. as a former right.
0: fourth-round quarterback – I know. And I, granted, I was not great, but it bothered me that that was so hard to overcome. Kirk Cousins is still trying to shake that tag yeah. uh, that he was a fourth-round pick, and he's actually played really well, and he tried, still has a long way to go. being an undrafted one. <laughs>
1: right. No, my yeah. whole career. I'd look around, you? I'd be like – they made me play for five, six years.: Yeah, to they prove made me it. prove it over and over. And I always said, like with, with a player like coming out undrafted or, or probably later rounds for NFL teams, you had to constantly prove to them that you were worthy of that money. For someone who was a first-round pick or had this hype attached to him, you almost had to prove to them that you couldn't do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They were going to give you every benefit of the doubt when it came time to throw some money at you until you unequivocally proved, okay, he's just not going to be good enough. But that's after your third contract. He's no longer good enough. And then someone else has got to be just showing and proving over and over and over again just to get you know, mid-range type of money. I don't know what was more frustrating was trying to
0: prove people wrong yourself or watching the other first-rounders get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to fail like and they would still like you would feel like and i know personally i would feel like man i've done more than this guy but because he was a first round pick he's still getting you know second chance second chance third chance and yet i'm sitting there just give me an opportunity and you can't even get that opportunity
1: yeah it's extremely frustrating it's really frustrating it becomes i mean it's it's life though like you understand who you are in the hierarchy of things like you know know what i mean like you just kind of you, you make peace with with what your career is going to be, and you try to make the most out of that. But don't think that's not a real thing. Like When you've attached the stigma of either undrafted or late-round draft pick, most people, I'm not even going to say some most of them are always going to have that attached to you, and you're going to have to outplay the guy who would have been a first-round or a second-round pick. You're going to have to consistently outplay him.
0: When I saw this morning, I saw uh, Ezekiel Elliott getting off the plane, returning from Cabo, and maybe it was yesterday when he got back, and I saw this mob of TV reporters, cameras. Yeah. Everybody was there. I don't know. Wh- I don't know what your reaction was. When I thought I was like, "Man, is this that big of a deal?" You know, like it was a massive following. I guess right? for me, I've only seen that before with Peyton Manning, the free agency frenzy, Brett Favre when he was threatening retirement. The, you know, the cameras at his house. But I just, I don't know. For me, I've thought it's just a running back.
1: Well, yeah, I think I think what we've what we've I don't know who, like, I think the league plays a big role in this, but like they've devalued or, or there's been such a push, um, and campaign to devalue like a running back. Yeah. Um, that we're conditioned to now just look at him like not a quarterback. Right. You know what I mean? But I think the people who know the people in Dallas realize like it's great and this isn't throwing any shade at Dak as great as he is. It's what I've been saying the whole time. This only works with Dak. Yeah. This is the situation that you know, there'd be nine out of ten of them. You might not need the running back. You could put plug and play behind a great offensive line and your quarterback's intake. This particular situation is Dax. I mean it's it's Ezekiel. Yep. So like you have to have Ezekiel Elliott in there. And I think people that are close to it realize that if you're gonna roll out there without Zeke, It was going to be trouble, you know, and now he's back. And so I think you see it celebrated as if he were a quarterback to nine out of ten other teams.
0: Yep. You know what else I think it is? I think it's a Dallas Cowboy effect. I mean, it still is. Whether you like it or not, America's team, historically, they are a very a brand Mm -hmm. that is very real. Jerry Jones has a lot to do with that. I think that's why everyone's been so fascinated with this coverage and why there were so many people. And Texas, everything's bigger in Texas. Maybe that was it (laughs) as well Welcome back to Kinell and Bell on this Wednesday. It is Hump Day. In case you didn't know, give me a hard time about Hump Day. Um, we talked about Zeke Elliott getting his new deal, $50 million guaranteed for the Cowboys. I would say that. Oh, it's
1: was, too much money. Oh, <laughs> it's too much. You I would say that. 50
0: million. That wasn't surprising. Oh, give me the next me one. At all. That was not surprising to me at all. Yeah. The shocker of the day was Jared Goff getting his new deal because hey, they didn't have to do it this soon. Right. Uh, they could have waited it out a little bit more to see how he backed up that Super Bowl uh, run that they made last year. Coming up that game short, I was still surprised that they were able to go all in with Jared Goff, a team, uh, a quarterback to me who is still making strides, and I don't know if he's that elite level or worthy of this type of money because I think a lot of the success is attributed to Sean McVay. Look at the, look at the trend we had. Every single team in the NFL that needed a coach was looking for somebody from the Sean McVay tree. Correct. There is a reason behind that. He is an excellent play caller. And I think one of the biggest beneficiaries of that is Jared Goff. And yet they're saying, all right, well, we're going to make him one of the highest paid contracts in NFL history, guaranteed money. When I would have said, you know what? Why don't you wait one more year and see how he
1: does? Because I think there's going to be a drop off for the Rams this year. Right. Um, I agree with most of what you said. Pretty much all of what you said. I agree right. with what you said. Um, th- this one isn't, th- I'm going to attack it from another angle. Like, I- I've got no problem with you giving Jared Goff this money. Uh, if you deem him the quarterback that's going to take your franchise, uh, to where it wants to go moving forward, boom, give him the money. He's the next guy up. Um, the, you know, the, uh, Russell Wilson's and then the Carson, the, the Carson Wentz deals, like he's the next man up. He sets the market again, right? That's what happens why and i'm just gonna take it back to running backs why is it an acceptable thing for a quarterback that we can all agree right it's not as good as russell wilson right like we can agree on that yeah for sure yeah why is it okay for him to set the mark and get more than russell wilson yet a running back who is clearly one or two in the nfl was supposed to not set the market when it's it was his turn to eat. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's that's the problem that I have. How we accept all right, yeah, Jared Goff is not nearly as good as Russell Wilson, but we're gonna pay him more. Boom. He's the next guy up. But when we talk about running backs, it's like no 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 no. Yeah, he might be the best running back in the league, but we gotta scale that back a little bit. That position is it's
0: stupid. Well it's clearly for one reason. It's because that's that position specifically has been devalued. No, I, by, I get it. By media, by teams. Uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell sat an entire season with Steelers, and Steelers are like, nah, we're good. We're gonna go roll out there yeah. with James Conner." And but it was, didn't work. But he still, they got a lot of production out of James. Conner.
1: But Connor. it didn't work. You it had a as, far no, as, as far as they as far as winning, like yeah. yeah, that's what you're trying to do, right? Like it didn't. Yeah, you got production out of James Conner, good back. Hope he gets paid one day. Did you get to the Super Bowl? <laughs> no, it didn't work. Yep, I, I do think what you will see and this
0: is where I would be a word of caution to any running back that looks at themselves and says, all right, Zeke got paid. That means I'm going to get paid now. Melvin Gordon is probably the perfect example. Uh, his negotiation not going quite as successfully yeah, no. so far as Ezekiel Elliott's because he's playing with a most likely Hall of Fame quarterback in Phillip Rivers. Ezekiel Elliott was in the perfect spot to hold some levers. And I think that's why the Steelers weren't willing to budge on Le'Veon Bell. They were like, hey, we're good. We have Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. We don't need you. The Cowboys were in a unique spot to look at Zeke and say, "Mm,
1: we do not want to risk to see what this is like without Zeke. You know who could be in that spot in a couple years? Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Like you have to – I mean – Look, you know, he could absolutely. Oh, cover. you're talking about the preeminent backs. You're yeah. talking about the, like, top three backs in the league. Right. Right? Like, those are the ones that would set the market. I agree with you. Not every back should be looking at that. It's thinking you're going to step up to the plate and knock out, knock a home run out. Um, quarterback's are a little different though. Because Jared, I mean, Jared Goff, in the hierarchy of quarterbacks in the NFL, will you put him average? Put him top 10? Top, yeah, I would say top 15. Top you know 15, what's crazy? That, that becomes average. Yeah. Oh, it really does. Right. Does. Like if yeah. you're talking about 14 or 15, you're right in the realm of, of average NFL quarterback. You ain't the worst, but you're not in the top 10. The biggest problem I have with Jared get, uh,
0: Jared Goff is I don't know if he's a product of the system or if he's an elite quarterback. And I think that's a very fair question. Yeah. Like what would you do if you plug Dak Prescott into that system right. and played and had him with Sean McVay and some of the weapons that he had. Right, right, right. Is it going to be that much different? Maybe, but I don't, I think, I still think you'd see a lot of quarterbacks you could plug into that system with some of the schemes that Sean McVay runs, getting guys open, taking some of that workload off your shoulders, running the football successfully. That, that's, that's the one question mark I have for mm-hmm. them saying, man, when you've seen Carson Wentz, who was one of those quarterbacks who's hired, uh, um, tier pay guys, I did see him as a guy who was excelling, who was looking like a playmaker, who if everything broke down around him, he could make some plays. Go get still. It for you. Now it also got him in trouble because he got hurt when he was doing that. So my biggest question mark for Carson Wentz is can he stay healthy for sixteen games, which is a very real concern right. when you look at it. Um the running back is just a very unique position. It has been devalued over the course of time. I but I would again a word of caution if you were a running back, don't think that this is resetting the bar just because Zeke set a new record. It's going to be different. It's going to be unique. Saquon Barkley could be in that position. Let's just say, for instance, Saquon continues to shred it, continues to tear it up. Right. Daniel Jones takes over. He's still a little bit of a game manager, reliant on the run. Yeah. You could see a back with similar type leverage, but clearly a guy like Melvin Gordon is not in that same boat.
1: No, he's going to be in trouble. I don't even know. Uh, he's played, he's played his hand wrong in this regard. Uh, he's not.
0: So unless yeah. unless he actually could get the Chargers, which is this has been the newest uh talk out of um Los Angeles, is that they are in preliminary discussions to possibly move Melvin Gordon huh? and move him on in a trade partner. Um, supposedly seeking a first and a fifth round draft choice, which is already hard enough to say a back's going to give you a first and fifth in return, but also a team that's going to be willing with a deal in place that's going to say, yep, Melvin Gordon, we're going to make you happy.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if you're looking for $13 million a year and we just talk, who, who out there is going to pay Melvin Gordon $13 million a year?
0: That's the that's the question and that's what he's looking for. Um, some of the teams that might make sense, uh the Tampa Bay Bucks looking to have a featured back in that system, Bruce Arians, offensive minded coach, maybe looks to take some uh some of that workload off of Jameis Winston's shoulders there. Uh I still I think Melvin Gordon probably at this point is undervalued the way we've dismissed him mm-hmm. you look at some of his stats still was really impressive um he's been tied for fifth in the nfl in total touchdowns with 14 last season did miss some time only played in 12 games still had 885 yards rushing there so i still think he's a really good back just clearly he's not in that top top three top two quarterback that you would put ezekiel Elliott or saquon barkley in in right. that in that conversation, yeah.
1: right? Does that make sense? That's an interesting. Um is there any I mean I know you can't do this, but if running backs, right? Like when you franchise tag a player, the team has like full autonomy to call you whatever they want to call you, right? Like yeah. you're an outside linebacker, but we're going to call you or you're a defensive end and we're going to call you outside linebacker so we can pay you less. So you're running back, you catch more passes than our receivers, but we're going to we're going to franchise tag you as a running back. Like you know what I mean? Like it yeah. seems like they can do whatever they want. The running back position, um, it seems unfair, the NFL, when they lock you up the way they do if you're an early pick and they've yeah. got you for those, what, five years Yeah. There. And when a running back's lifespan is way shorter than a lot of those other positions, like, you're used up. Your best miles are those early miles on a running back, right? Like, why can't they figure out? The Players Association for fight for, like, if you're coming out as a running back, your rookie contract is, is different. It's more flexible. It's more player friendly. Right. It gets you out of that deal early so that you can see some of the fruits of your labor rather than them run you into the ground for five years and then just re-up with a new first round or second round back.
0: Well, what are you saying if you're a wide receiver then? You're saying, why does he get special treatment? No, I, I know. It. But
1: they pay wide receivers, like, we don't have a devaluing of no. the receiver going on, right? No. Like we don't. And wide receivers, like the shelf life on a wide receiver, is a lot longer. Like you can continue to get paid until how many backs get paid after you know that's not that's many, like,
0: right? No, they get to be thirty and they're done. They're they done. Most teams write them off. Uh But I do understand why it is the game of football itself is evolving to where you're seeing more of an emphasis put on the passing game. And if you're a running back, you better be able to catch it out of the backfield, right. uh, or you better make such a difference where you're indispensable the way Zeke has. And even still, the Cowboys, one of the reasons Zeke has had this leverage, they're a little bit more old school in their thought process. They don't rely on the quarterback as much as some of these other teams are. Two things to take away, final takeaway from these two deals. One, Zeke's deal. What does it mean for Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, two other running quarterbacks, and then Jared Goff's deal, along with Carson Wentz, some of these quarterbacks that have had strong starts. What does that mean for Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes will be the first 200 million dollar quarterback and I'm talking guaranteed 200 million not fake money 200 million dollar quarterback it is going to be insane to see the type of money that he gets or when it's his time or whenever the Chiefs decide to do that I would say sooner rather than later lock him up and make sure you take care of him All right, welcome back to Kennel and Bell. We are breaking down the brand-new contract that Ezekiel Elliott has been handed by the Dallas Cowboys. And who better to help us break this down than DeMarcus Ware, former Dallas Cowboy, former Denver Bronco, former Super Bowl champ. DeMarcus, the last time that I spoke with you, I don't know if you remember this, you were, I think you were on the Cowboys at the time. I was calling a college football game. FIU oh. versus Troy. You were on Ooh. the moderate. You actually called into us via the phone during the game and helped us break it down. It was awesome. So that was the last time I spoke with you, but it's good to catch up with you. You're here on behalf of Snickers. And I got to say, man, they got some serious swag they got you dripped in. What do you, what do you got there rocking from Snickers?
2: You know, the thing is, man, I'm here like really rewarding the NFL's most hungriest fan, but also player. And I'm the first person to do it, and we're going to reward them with the drip. This is what we call it in NFL, right? Hey. You see this right here?
0: Yep. This hey. is an
2: amazing chain, and this is a great opportunity for not just rewarding the players for their performance on the field, but also opportunity for their off the field accolades from maybe their charity stuff that they're doing. But the fans can get involved. Like they can go to sneakers and look at any other social stuff, get involved. And I feel like this right here is like the flat Stanley, the new flat Stanley. There's a <laughs> yep. story that comes with this every single. So I'm the first player that gives it away, but then that player gets to go give it to another player and there's going to be a story with it, but they can go to the uh, hashtag Snickers chain and follow the story. And uh, the value of this chain for the last person that wins it, not the last person that wins it, but the one that's nominated at the end by the fans and the, everybody else that votes, um, they, The value of this chain gets to be given to their charity of their choice, and that's what's re- the reason why I really enjoy getting involved with this because it's not just performing on the field, but now you actually get to see the players do some things very important and great off the field, do some charity work, and uh, it's a great opportunity.
0: I love it, man. So definitely make sure our listeners check that out. The Snickers chain, love it. Thing is awesome too. Uh, very cool. Uh, look like there's some serious drip. It's got some uh, real weight. you can tell. That's quality stuff right there. All right, we were talking about it during the break just before you came on. Your initial reaction when you heard uh, Dallas Cowboy, Ezekiel Elliott getting this brand new six-year, ninety million extension, fifty million of it guaranteed. Your reaction was what?
2: My first reaction was. Whew, Okay, (laughs) we got Zeke back, right? Just a sigh of relief. We got Zeke back. Going to be able to help Dak out. And then there was an expression of what? (laughs) What kind of contracts are they giving out? Because they're giving out big contracts when you start looking at golf, right? We just heard y'all talking about golf earlier. You're talking about the running back contracts now. They're getting, to me, where they need to be. Because the thing is, we're talking about these guaranteed contracts in the NFL forever, even when I played and the guys before me, and now they're starting to get those big guaranteed contracts that they deserve.
1: Let me ask you a question, because you just kind of touched on feeling like uh, they, they deserve those. What do you think the Zeke deal does for the running back position and the health of the contracts that will be given to running backs? It has been a position recently. Um, there's been a, a devaluing of the position, but he sets the bar with a, with a new, I mean, a record amount for guaranteed money for running backs. Do you see that going forward or do you think there'll be a continued uh, devaluing of the position?
2: I think there's not going to be a continued devaluing of the position because when you sit back and think about how important Zeke is to an offense or a running back like, you know, Kamara or a Todd Gurley, just to name a few, those guys, if they're handling the balls 400 times a season, right? 36% of the whole offense are running through these guys, right? And think about the, the bruising they go through every single game. They get hit every 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 play. So I think that these guys are deserving of those contracts, and I feel like it's going to start escalating. They're going to start seeing the value of guys. You know the quarterbacks are going to get paid. You know, like, the the prime touchdown guys or the wide receivers are going to get paid, and the defensive ends or outside linebackers at Russell Passer are going to get paid. But what about the, the guys that get the ball? all the time, which is the running back. And I feel like this right here is a great thing that it's like that milestone setter and it's going to keep incrementally going up from there.
0: One of the things I thought was pretty interesting was not that long ago, Jerry Jones was given a press conference, and he was talking about trying to keep everybody happy, and he gave you as a specific example. He said, man, I can't keep everybody happy. He said, when I lost to Marcus Ware, it was one that hurt, and I didn't have the money to pay him. I was curious to hear your thoughts and your response to that when you ended up going to Denver because the Cowboys couldn't keep you around.
2: And the thing is, that's one thing that Jerry does very, very well is he explained to the player, to me, when I was at the time released by him the reason why. And the reason why I couldn't manipulate the salary cap to get you to be a, the state of the Dallas Cowboys for three years because it, it was business. You know, you can't sometimes let one player you know, just eat off the table and take away from everybody else. And that would have happened if I played. But a owner going back what, almost five years later and saying that I didn't want to lose a DeMarcus Ware. That actually made me feel really good because I still have that same connection with the same Dallas, with this Dallas Cowboy organization and Jerry Jones. They are an awesome organization for him saying that I made a mistake. Oh, that, that was big for me. And uh, and we're we're like this, so we're good.
0: Every, uh, I wouldn't say every, but most players I've talked to that have played on the Cowboys under Jerry Jones have always talked very similar to the way you're describing him. But I'm curious, like you said, you had conversation with him because before when my contract was up, um, and probably only had one time when I was starting for the giants, it was my agent was talking to the, uh, front office. I never got involved in a, any kind of one-on-one discussion with a GM or an owner, but, your experience was a little bit different. With Jerry, he actually will take the time to talk about some of the numbers and the dynamics that are unfolding in a negotiation.
2: And the thing is, like, with, I mean, with Pat Dodd Jr., um, what he did first is get all the contract constituencies right. And then Jerry Jones sits down with you as a player and there aren't any, there's not anybody else in the room. It's you, him, the little candle that's lit right there with a little dim light, and he looks at you in your face, and he says, DeMarcus, do you want to sign this six-year, $90 million contract? No smile. I'm not smiling anymore. And then he says, are you going to empty the bucket for the Dallas Cowboys? And if you say yes, he's going to wipe his hands with you. He's going to get the deal done because that's what he, he do for his players. That's why every player that talks about Jerry Jones, they're like this. Because he's going to be straight up with you. If I got the money or I don't. At the beginning of the season when I played, he had the money. He paid me. At the end of my career, he didn't. But he let me know that. And that's why being honest is the most important thing, and that's what he is.
1: That's what's up. Um, Let me ask you about this year's team. You you, you had a sigh of relief, you said, when you saw that Zeke had re-upped and uh, he'll be there for week one. What are your expectations out of the, the Cowboy team this year?
2: Um, I want for the Dallas Cowboys or all of the talent that they have from Jalen Smith. They just signed him. They signed Collins. They got, you know, Vander-ish, Sean Lee, Ty, Frederick, and now you got Zeke back. They're going to pro, I don't know if they're going to franchise, uh, Amari Cooper, but at least they're going to, they're going to have him back. You got Jason Witten. You got Captain America. So there's a plethora of names that can pull this team up to that championship team. And I have very, very high expectations because if you're going to empty the bucket, like Jerry Jones is doing for a lot of these players, he's saying now it's put up or shut up. I'm giving you this money. I want for you to put this team on your back, and I need for you to carry the team to this championship. And that's what he've done for all those guys. And I feel like this is that championship year for them, and they got to pull it out. What's
0: your level of confidence in Dak Prescott as the guy for the next five, seven, nine years for this Cowboys organization?
2: I think he's one of those guys where it's an improvement every single year from his throwing, him making, you know, great decisions down the field. And the thing is, there has to be some improvement. I mean, every year you've been either in the playoffs or close to the playoffs. So now when you get in there, it's time to close it out. So that my expectation is let's go win this thing because you have everything around you to sort of implement who you are. you got a great running game. you got a great offensive line, a defense that can maintain you in short positions. So everything is there for you. Let's go make that money. That's the way, that's yeah. the way I
1: say it. That's what's up. Um, DeMarcus, let me ask you about the recent trend uh, of guys in the NFL retiring uh, earlier than people might expect. Obviously, you had Calvin Johnson. Doug Baldwin shut it down. Yes. Um, Gronk. And then re- most recently, the Andrew Luck situation. Um, what do you think is is the future uh, uh, for some of these younger guys? Do you think this is something that we'll continue to see trending uh, in that direction where they're shutting it down earlier once they've gotten some money? Or, or do you think this is just a few isolated incidents?
2: I think that if the contracts keep going up and they keep being guaranteed, guys are going to stay in the league a lot longer because now they have something that's more tangible that they can have for their families. Because, you know, when I play, let's say if there was a $20 million or $10 million contract over a 10-year period, that's a million dollars a year, which is a lot of money, but the toll that it takes on your body is really big. But now when you start having these $100 million uh, guarantees, these guys are going to be in the league longer because now at the, at the end of their career, seven, eight, nine years in, they still have guaranteed money that they can go and get, they can go and play for. So you're going to see guys playing a lot longer if it keeps incrementally going up. But if it all of a sudden drops after the CBA, I think the collective bargaining agreement is going to happen after the season. I don't know for sure, but and there might be a lockout, but you don't know. So I just think that if things increase, meaning the money, the years are going to increase. If it starts going down, guys are going to stop because they're beating their bodies up too much, and it can depress you a little bit from how much pain you have to go through.
0: I think it, Demarcus, I think it all comes down to individuals. I do. I think some guys might have a number and they say, once I get to 50 million, I'm walking away. Right. Other guys, you know, Rod right. Smith, who was one of the best receivers in the Broncos organization, I'll never forget him walking around the locker room talking to some of the young guys. He'd be like, man, they're going to have to kick me out of this league. I'm not going away until they <laughs> kick me out. He wanted, you know, cause it's a great gig. Yeah. You make a lot of I money to see play that. a sport. I can see that. Yeah, Rod was one of the greatest dudes. How did you know when it was time to hang it up?
2: You know, when my body couldn't sustain a whole season anymore and when I couldn't compete. Here I can comp- compete mentally, but my body couldn't do it anymore. And one time when my son came and jumped on my back and I couldn't really hold him up, that's when I started thinking to myself, you played long enough. You've, you know, played had an awesome career. Now what are you going to do with it? You know, for your family. After that so after that year, there was no question of me retiring. Here, I wanted to play. I wanted to go out, go in, out there and compete. But my body was like, you don't have anymore, bro. Don't. Just relax. You got it. You're good.
0: I'm looking at this article and some Instagram posts of your workout, this crusher workout. You still look like you could play a little bit. I mean, yeah, you got the <laughs> pipe still. You're still working there. I mean, I, I, what is your kind of plan here? Next step. A lot of guys struggle with what do they do after the NFL? What are some of your goals post playing days?
2: You know what's been great is uh, I've been doing fitness like my whole career, helping guys out, training guys, and now having an opportunity to not just affect people inside of the stadium but everybody outside of the stadium with living healthy through fitness. And that's been like my platform my whole career. But now since football isn't there, I still can give back. I still can be a captain uh, in people's lives. But now my locker room is a gym. So I tell people to come on in my locker room in the gym and let me still be a captain in your life and push you to perfection. Let me be a champion for you.
1: Um, I want to take it back to the money real, real quick because we had a good time <laughs> off air about the NBA versus NFL uh, contracts. Do you think that Patrick Mahomes, as this money continues to grow, becomes the first $200 oh, million dollar oh. man in the NFL? <laughs>
2: If the money keeps going up, he will be the first $200 $200 million. I can't even say the word. (laughs) $200 million man, he will be the first because he's well-deserving of that. And especially if he wins that Super Bowl, the sky is going to be the limit for that guy.
0: I love it. Hey, if you're looking for a post-career job too, you can do some broadcasting too. You're fantastic at it. Uh, having a great right, interview thank you, here. Thank you so much. Let's give you uh, one more time to pump what you're doing with Snickers. You can sow the shame one more time. Tell people how they can go uh, get in on this contest.
2: Um, here with Snickers uh, awarding the most hungriest guy or fan out there on and off the field. The fans can get involved by going to any any Snickers handle. But then they can go to hashtag Snickers Chain to follow the process. This is the first bling that's going to be given out for the first game to that hungriest player. So they got to be hungry if they want this or his. It's, it's heavy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it comes with a price tag, right? And nope. so I think this right here is going to be a great opportunity for them to keep trickling this down. It comes with a story and then give it away, uh, the value of what this chain is at the, uh, the end of the season, uh, to their awesome charity and, um, it's going to be great.
0: Awesome stuff, man. DeMarcus, really appreciate the time. All the best to you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, fellas. Awesome.
0: Uh DeMarcus Ware clearly had a really long NFL career. The most successful NFL careers to me are guys that handle themselves like him. Like, yeah. he's just a good dude, good vibe, positive Um smart like mm-hmm. those are the guys that last that long in the nfl you can clearly see why jerry jones was willing to make that mistake saying man i wish we could have made him a cowboy for life right one of the best dudes in the game for sure raza would you like to win a million dollars what i of course you would <laughs> who does not who wouldn't want to win a million dollars well now's your chance all you need to do is play parlay pick with CBS Sports, the process is simple. You download the CBS Sports app or go to cbsportscom slash parlay and submit your parlay card. Once you are done, you are immediately in contention for big-time cash prizes, including the chance at $1 million if you hit the perfect parlay. Download the CBS Sports app or visit cbsportscom slash parlay now to take your shot at a million bucks. Uh was just saying here during the break, I'm like, man, I can't believe we haven't talked any college football really because we have been off due to the hurricane. We weren't in on Labor Day because of the holiday. Unfortunately, I do think we do need to address uh, the Florida State Seminoles. We're going to need to address that.
1: Um, do you... Go ahead. What do you want to say first? Go ahead. Joe, I mean, I don't know if Joe can come in. I know he's in Stanford. Yeah. Um, what did I say about the game? We were picking games last week. What did I say about it? No, uh, I, don't silence, so radio silence. I don't know if he has Upset alert abilities. is what I said. That's yes, verbatim did. upset yes. alert. You said I was trying to troll you. <laughs> yeah, you said. I did. And I said, nah, I'm just
0: saying. All right. Here's what I would say. Uh, when the game got moved, and I'm not making an excuse oh, for Florida State I'm fans. When the game got moved from Jacksonville to Tallahassee at noon as opposed to primetime, I was concerned. Correct. There was a- I thought that was a distraction. I thought Florida State would not have any home field advantage, which they didn't, because our fans aren't exactly the greatest. And when you make, when all everybody's making hurricane preparations, they have priorities. So they're not going to say, hmm, let me go drive three hours to go watch a football game at noon. That is not an excuse. Nonetheless, they blew an <laughs> 18 point lead. That's the definition of an excuse. <laughs> no, it's not. Like if you looked in the dictionary under no, no, it's excuse, not. that's what They that is. blew an 18 point lead. They had 23 unanswered points. They had every opportunity to win that game and they couldn't and they didn't. Um I think it is a really bad start to Willie Taggart's second year. Although I will say this, Florida State fans need to chill the bleep out, okay? Take a step back. This is not the Florida State program that was challenging for national championships every single year in the 90s. This is not the Florida State program under Jimbo Fisher five or six years ago that was in contention to challenge Clemson. This program is still a long way from being back there. I thought a good season this year would be eight wins, maybe nine. I still think that's in play. The people that are calling for Willie Taggart's head and saying we should fire him, what are you going to do? What is your plan? There isn't one. They're all like, I've actually heard serious fans say, "Let's go get Urban Meyer." (laughs) Like, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, like, yeah, okay, let's go do that. First of all, we probably can't afford him. Second of all, it's way too early to do this, and who knows if he even wants to take that gig. Relax. I get it. It sucks. Nobody wants to lose that game, uh, including myself. Boise state is a pretty good team. That's the thing, right? It's not like Tennessee lost to Georgia state. It was a two win team last year. I think Boise state is going to be a group of five, uh, new year's six team. They might be the best team from the group of five. So I would say, let's take a deep breath. Let's see what Florida state does, uh, does against Louisiana Monroe this weekend. They better win by a lot. (laughs) I'll just tell you that. Um, but let's see how the season plays out. Let's see. Let's let this thing run its course before you make a snap decision. What's up, Joey? Oh, I thought he was uh, hopping in there. Uh, yeah, he did chime in there. Dehydration. Yeah, that was a bad look. Well, it's a bad look. Uh, here's let me give you the excuses. All right. Oh, first yes, of all, been doing first it all, of all no, no. no. Here's where I here's where I think it was a bad look from Willie Taggart's standpoint. Yeah. Don't bring it up. Don't. He brought it up and said, "Yeah, we have to take a look at that. We weren't prepared." Admitting that makes you look. Um, it just makes you look unequipped. Like, That's and I, then all of a sudden, I'm trying to defend him, saying, "No, it's not there." Here's where I will say, "This is your excuse." Boise State coming into this game. For six months when they've circled this game on the calendar, they've said, Man, this is gonna be hot. We no matter we're going to Jacksonville, it's gonna be humid. We're not used to that. So they were hypersensitive to the humidity. I think Florida State took um Bro, took it for granted.
1: Practice in that every but day. you don't
0: practice at noon. That's you the thing. Noon is different. Day. And I do think they took it for granted, assuming they would be okay. Right. And I don't I think that was a very that was a very false assumption well, that, that you shame made. on
1: you, because I practiced True. like when I was at home, the one advantage I felt like I had over a lot of NBA guys was I could practice in the most intense heat and most humid environment, whether it was real or not. Like in my mind, I felt like that was an advantage for me. Right. So I would find the the grimiest, like hottest box of a gym I could be in and just and just work because I felt like that gave me an advantage. Here's what concerned me. Obviously, not the way you want to start the season if if you're Florida State and, and Willie Taggart. What concerned me watching the game, um, I was streaming it as I was, as my dad was driving, we were coming right. back on the RV. Um, the last possession they had when they got it to around the fifty, yep, and he had two timeouts left, yep, and he didn't burn one. And I was saying in my head, I man, call a timeout, you got to call a timeout, but. If you're moving and you're getting back up to the line of scrimmage and you're catching that defensive off off guard, I'm gonna uh, go. That's your philosophy as a coach. Ride with that. When you had the false start, yeah, right, and now you're backed up and you still got two in your pocket. I'm like, uh oh. Then you get the fourth down and it's fourth and whatever, and you still got the timeouts in your pocket and you didn't burn one to at least that that I have to question and even though that's a you know friend of the show and all of that yep. I, I question that one
0: absolutely and I'm okay with you and there was a couple of clock management issues last year the Syracuse games to mine before half they kind of they did a similar situation could have had some points didn't handle it properly I agree with you if they don't have that penalty on them we're not even having this. We, we might no, have and be. maybe they still lose and yeah. maybe we still are. Um, I would agree. There's a, uh, criticizing the hydration, criticizing clock management perfectly fair. I still don't think it's oh, we gotta fire Willie oh, no. Not, That's why I would yeah. tell fans to chill out a little bit. Right. And we'll see. We'll see how they look against Louisiana uh Monroe this weekend as a three touchdown favorite. I mentioned Dirk Mavitsky uh coming in. So he had a tweet yesterday. He was in China yeah. and he returned back to Dallas. And he tweeted out, I came home from China to all these cameras at the airport, and I thought to myself, man, I still got it. Then it turns out they were all he, here for Zeke. He, I they love it. He's, he's hilarious. He is
1: hilarious. Yeah, he's a really funny dude. Like really, he, he's, he's got a really good sense of humor. He.
0: I remember I interviewed him uh, for back in my old job on the radio, and he had some great one-liners, just subtle like jabs. Oh, yes. And I think sometimes you picture a German like, hey, he's going to be more serious. He's hilarious. No, he's a
1: clown. It was um, a great one. Jalen Hurts for Heisman. Oh you're just, going all in. Just saying bro. All right, you're Go going all in. Is there early. a chance? Is there a chance? Jalen Hurts was a highly regarded like recruit, yeah, right? Yeah. And just wasn't developed early in his career yeah, at Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe fundamentals, footwork, maybe the right system. Dan Enos came in, brushed him up a little bit. Yep. Tua looks great under Dan Enos. Now he goes to another QB guru. Is there a chance that he is an NFL quarterback after all of this?
0: Could be. Absolutely. Let's see how the season plays out. Yeah. We'll do a little bit more college football right. tomorrow because we didn't get to do it today. But uh that's a wrap for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. Maybe some college football. And I'm sure maybe there's another contract given up by the Cowboys. <laughs>